I'm Joshua. I'm Jacob. And this is Somebody Somebody Else's Favorite Songs, a podcast about music. For people who like music. Yeah, but no one's going to listen to this. Maybe our wives or mothers? Probably not. You are listening to episode two, part two, the conclusion to our introductory series called The Bands of Our Lives. Jacob, the next category is the band that made you fall in love with music. Well, this is a big one because if I was pressed, I might say that this is, they are my favorite. It is the Beatles. And I can tell you exactly how I came up, how I came on to the Beatles. And of course, I think everyone who listens to the radio or whatever, the TV, any type of media, they know... I Want to Hold Your Hand, they know She Loves You and Hey Jude. Maybe they know um, Come Together, Let It Be. Uh, So I knew who they were. And my mom, I remember she bought that Beatles, the one compilation, the number one singles. 2000 or 2001. Mm -hmm. So um, me really diving into that, um, diving into their catalog and getting such a, a huge knowledge and so much love for them was actually when I was on MySpace in the mid-2000s. There was, on the front page of MySpace, a video had become viral. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they were using that word at at that time. It was a little toddler, an Asian kid. I think it was either in China or Japan or South Korea, but he had a little toy guitar in his hand. He was like (laughs) two or three, and he was just you know, strumming the ukulele or guitar and just singing Hey Jude, Hey Jude, Hey Jude over and over again. That stands out to me. I don't know why. So again, I get on LimeWire and I start downloading everything. (laughs) And next thing I know, I'm, you know, troll, I'm, you know, just traipsing across the internet, looking at YouTube videos of them, um, various websites um, that, you know, various fans have made. I've read books. The Beatles really got me into music for real and sort of made me an enthusiast of music in general. And um, it's something that actually brought my wife and I together somewhat. When we were in seventh grade, we were both in band. And um, I, I don't know, she caught my eye, I guess. And... We had a we stopped at a rest stop, the bus. We were we had gone to a band competition in Dallas. We we were coming back, and uh, we had stopped, and um, somehow we got to talking about music, and we both had the Beatles music on our iPods. So that's what started. iPods, kids. Yeah, what is an iPod? Pre-streaming. Yeah, it's prehistoric these days. That's what started it. Um, Twelve years later, we've been married for nearly four years, but, you know, we bonded over our love for the Beatles that she got from her upbringing among her family. And then in 10th grade, when I started spending a lot of time with Sarah's family, with Josh, um, 
we, Josh and I, bonded a lot over our knowledge of the Beatles. Josh's is much greater than mine. But we, we struck up a... We struck up a conversation almost immediately, and we had so much in common related to that. It was it was um, something that calmed me as a you know sophomore who is um, meeting a prominent figure in my uh, pre girl. I don't know. I, I pursued girl space friend. Yes, yeah. I was friend zoned <laughs> at the time. Voice. Yes, friend zoned at the time. But I wanted her to like me, and I wanted her family to like me, and Josh is was very imposing on me as far as a very tall person. I'm not very tall. <laughs> I was a nervous 10th grader. Anyway, the Beatles got me started. And um, so everything about it, I just, you know, love to read about them and learn about them. And and uh, the Beatles probably um, inspired me to get more into the guitar and learning various instruments. Because I, I have, it's my particular opinion that if you can, you know, if you practice and learn an instrument and whatever, then the highest appreciation of music is um, wanting to play it uh, to... Oh, the demonstration yeah. of how much you like it. Exactly. Imitation is just a serious form of flattery. Yes, exactly. Like that. That's just what I was about to say. So there's my somewhat long-winded spiel about the Beatles. So the band that made me fall in love with music um, is also the Beatles. And, you know, how could it how could it not be? Um you know, they are an example of no one is more rated than the Beatles. They are the most famous band. They are the best-selling band. They are the first innovators of much of what happened in popular music. Modern recording um, practices. Yeah, all of that. Absolutely. You know, Paul McCartney is probably the most important single musician of the 20th century. And that's the way I feel about it. So, in talking about it, the category is the band that made you fall in love with music. And the result is is evident. I listen to podcasts about the Beatles. I have 70-something books about the Beatles, all that I, of which I've read multiple times. I've borrowed um, a few. I am, am happy... To, to share those because anybody that enjoys learning about, particularly the music, like I'm interested in biographical stuff as it relates to the music. I'm, I'm less interested in it. I mean, I know a lot of it just because I've absorbed it over the years and it can be interesting, but mostly to me, it's as it informs the music because it's the music that matters more than the soap operas, more than the dramas, but uh, the music and the cultural impact is what I'm interested in. But where I really fell in love with music, that the Beatles, where the Beatles are concerned, <clears throat> is that my dad had these two books, music books, called The Complete Beatles. And before Beatles Anthology, the only real biographical television or movie that existed was called The Complete Beatles. That's C-O-M-P-L-E-A-T for, <laughs> yeah. for those of you who um, live in this area of the world and don't spell it that way. But there was a movie <laughs> that I had recorded on VHS off the TV to watch. But these books were the sheet music. And it was the first time the sheet music had been released for, for the Beatles. And so uh, it was somehow using that 
that I began to look at it, and I could read a little bit of music be because of being in choir for years, and but I couldn't, I, I, I didn't play anything. My, my brother, the same middle brother, had taken, you know, piano lesson for years, and so he played the piano, but I didn't play anything at this point, and I began to realize that the chords were written above where the guitar fingerings are. A lead sheet. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, it's, it's a book for guitar and piano. So yeah, you've got yeah. the, the staff with the notes the on melody, it, and then you've got, yeah. Chord shapes above. Yeah, and there's other things written down, mm-hmm. you know, in the in the music as well. But the chord shapes are there. And I was like, well, wait a minute. It says what the chords are. So if I could just learn what the chords are, I could play it and and sing with it. And... I discovered that you can play "Let It Be" with all the, with all white keys. You don't, you know, which seems easier to me. Right in the key of C. Yes, and it's in the key of C. So I mean, it's C A minor G F E minor D minor and C. I mean, that's it's you you don't really ever have to hit anything that's off of the white keys in the key of C. So I started learning the chords and going through these Beatles books and playing them, and got to where that was something I wanted to do all the time. And that's really how I began to integrate playing music into things. I had a keyboard, and so I'd set it by the piano, and my middle brother would play chords, and I would play the the leads and stuff. We would play When I'm 64, and I got the clarinet setting going, and you know, or something <laughs> like that, or we'd switch, and I'd chord. But, and we did this for hours on end. Endless that, opportunity. Endless opportunity, and it was all centered around playing the songs of the Beatles. So, you know, as far as, you know, becoming a an armchair musician, armchair, even that is overstating it, but what whatever <laughs> level of playing music that I've ever done or had, it dates back to playing the Beatles. So they are the band that made me fall in love with music as something that I liked to do as well as listen to. Yes, agreed. And if if the answer is when did I really start getting excited and play and listening to music and everything when I was a kid, the band that made me fall in love with music was the Oak Ridge Boys. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Little Elvira, Little Bobby Sue, whatever. Obviously, I never saw the Beatles live. Seen Paul three times and Ringo once, but I did see the Oak Ridge Boys <laughs> in about '83 as a kid, and then a few years ago here in Longview. So that's my honorable mention for made me fall in love with certainly, music. Certainly, that's that speaks to the area in which we've grown up. <laughs> hey, I I had to get a red satin. Uh, jacket like Joe Bonsell had on the cover of, the, of I think it was American Made album or something. I had to have that. Well, how about that, Elvira? <laughs> so we 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 intersect on the band that made a fall made us fall in love with music, like millions of others, the Beatles. Indeed, indeed, millions across many generations. Yes, and continuing to be so. Yes, and we will again definitely talk about them again. So. Uh, the band that changed your life. I'm interested to see the direction you, you go with this. Well, I'm going with Steely Dan because, again, this is another product of my um, hours of downloading music from LimeWire. Um, again, 
at Is this. Statute of limitations up on that? I don't know. For you? Or? Well, maybe my listener, maybe <laughs> hopefully our listener doesn't report me. So you should not do that, listener. Should not. Listener, please. I'll find out where you live. Again, something that, you know, I really wanted this girl to like me. And anyway, we were talking about music. That's how we really, we bonded over that. This girl is my wife now. And she said, what about Steely Dan? So I'm going on LimeWire and downloading Steely Dan. Now, this is funny because one time I, I saw, during that time, there was a song I downloaded, and it was, it was to download. It said, Steely Dan, you're still the one. And I said, okay, I'll download that. You're still the one. <laughs> Orleans, you're still the one. Okay, you're still the one is Shania Twain. Still the one is Orleans. These people had it all wrong. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Steely Dad, you're still right. None of that's right. Did I say Orleans? I guess I'm Roger Moore all of a sudden. So, <laughs> for the longest time, for the longest time, I thought that Still the One by Orleans was Steely Dan. But you get the, um, from their first album, Can't Buy a Thrill, you have the Reeling in the Years, you have, um, you know, Do It Again. These are the songs that everyone knows. Getting all these off of LimeWire and just starting from there. It was a different direction in my musical interests. Uh, I was playing the trumpet at the time and getting into some jazz, but I was so drawn to the music. And I, to go off on a bit of a side note, when I listen to music, I tend to get the music first before I get into the lyrics. Probably another discussion we'll have. But the music was so rich with grooves and, and the bass lines, the, the horns... The, the chord progressions, you know, it's certainly not one, four, and five. I mean, it never could be with them. You know, their most straight-ahead song is probably With a Gun, which, who knows that song? We do. Well, <clears throat> that's why we're doing a podcast. Fans of Pretzel Logic do. Well, okay. They do. Uh, Nobody and, else does. And I want to say that, you know, Steely Dan has already been mentioned, and I mentioned it again. It happens to be the inspiration for the title of our podcast. That's true. Um, a line in Steve, in another popular Steely Dan song called FM. No static um, at all. And what was the, how does the line go? What is, the, what is, uh, uh, nothing but blues and Elvis and somebody else's favorite song. There you go. We there were we discussing are. the name for the podcast, and once we got around to that, I thought, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's we, a good we line. liked it. And I've seen Steely Dan once, as they were, and then um, we went and saw Donald Fagan in the Night Flyers. Yes, we did. And it happened to be, sadly, the day after we learned that, that Walter Beckett That's right. We got up the next morning and learned that Walter had died. That's right. And that was a great show, but... Oh, it was. We were on the second row, dude. We were. That was great. Very happy to have seen them as many times, even twice, was, you know, very lucky. I just, you know... Steely Dan, The Beatles, Tom Petty. Uh, I will go and listen to every album, every song, and just dive into the catalog. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how much, you know, it changed my life. It gave me a whole new perspective because I grew up with a lot of the good country. Willie and Waylon and the Boys, shall we say, Outlaw Country. Great stuff. My mom loved George Strait, and I love George Strait. Yes, absolutely. The Beatles, but here is Steely Dan. It's just something different. So it really, really broadened my horizon a ton. So that's why I say they changed my life. The band that changed my life. I originally had Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers here because, as I said, I was really listening to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers from the late 80s up to the early 2000s. And so many huge life events for me, high school, graduation, 
uh, early years of college, getting married, having two kids, moving from our hometown to another, you know, on multiple to multiple different places. That was was all listening to Tom Petty, and so Tom Petty I call the soundtrack to my life, and so I thought, well, that's a good one for change, but. That wasn't really accurate. I, I said it didn't really change my life. It accompanied my life, and it reminds me of my life, and it's important in my life, but it didn't really change anything. So I changed this one, and the band that changed my life is the Traveling Wilburys. Oh. So I'm still getting Tom Petty, it's a, but... <clears throat> it's adjacent to Tom it, Petty. It, it's Tom Petty adjacent. Yes. That is correct. Um because at that time, in 1988, when Volume 1 came out, I was 13 years old, and right in through there, 7th um, grade, right in that range, I wasn't listening to Guns N' Roses like everybody else was. I, I wasn't listening to, um, I listened to some pop and stuff, but mostly I was listening to the Beatles. Now, granted, that was my parents' music, and <laughs> it had only been eight years since they broke up at that time. Not a lot of, not a long time. You know, which, I mean, that would be like listening to early 2000s music of bands that aren't together now. So, yes. you know, that's to put it the time in perspective, but that's what I was really listening to. And the bottom line was, here was a new song that was clearly George Harrison. Mm-hmm. That's and why Handle, I was interested. Handle with Care is just an awesome. It's, it's phenomenal. And people that know the band know the stories about how they just kind of by chance get get George and Tom Petty and Jeff Lynne and Bob Dylan and Roy Orbison. They go ask him and they get together and they make this fabulous, wonderful, fantastic album that I was mostly interested in because George Harrison was on it. <clears throat> now, I knew who Bob Dylan was, so I recognized Bob Dylan and I knew who Roy Orbison was being from Texas and, you know, everyone knows Pretty Woman and a few of those of those other classics. But before that, I had no earthly idea who Tom Petty was. I didn't grow up listening to Tom Petty. I so, learned him through Volume 1. I did not know that. Yes. So that was your first, you know, he put, it put Tom Petty on the map for you. It, yes. It also put Jeff Lynn on the map. Well, that's something else entirely. Which introduced me to ELO. So the Traveling Wilburys and the fact that they put that album out introduced me to two artists that I really love, ELO and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and broadened, basically broadened me past the Beatles to some other music. And that that time right through there, there is a set of albums that are, talk about being Wilbury or Wilbury adjacent. Well, that you've got There's volume one and volume three, and you can start it with Cloud Nine by George Harrison, and Full Moon Fever by Tom Petty, add Armchair Th- Theater by Jeff Lynn, add Roy Orbison's Mystery Girl, mm-hmm. add Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers into the Great Wide Open, and put all of those together. That's all Wilbury sound, and they're great. But the common denominator is Jeff Lynn. The, yeah, and the common denominator is Jeff Lynn. So, who also got to see live for the first, finally after many many years. That was an awesome. Yes, show. we were together for that one. We were. So we were also able to do that. So great, great, great. Common denominator is Jeff Lynn, and people can go on about his production techniques and the too much and over the top and it's, shut up. It's what Richard Buskin that we both love. From oh yeah, the Beatles podcast. He uh-huh. has a particular distaste 
for Jeff Lynne's yeah, productions. Not his thing. <laughs> and I just love it. I think it's phenomenal. But because they broadened my musical horizon past the band that made me fall in love with music, Traveling Wilburys changed my musical life, that's for sure. All right, Jacob, the band that surprised you. Well, I've already mentioned Sting, but Sting really surprised me. I love the police. It wasn't until much later that I got into Sting, the solo artist, mm-hmm. listened to his um, first album. Um, I'm not recalling the name of it, but the second album, um, The Soul Cages, is good. The third album... Um, Ten Summoners Tales, and I particularly like that one. I already said it is so good. I really, I really think it's. If we're talking, if we're going to talk about underrated albums, that is a huge one for me. But just suffice it, suffice it to say, like I've already said, love Sting, and it really surprised me to get into it and and see um, how musical he could be outside of being in a rock band. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. He, he really opens up into a lot of different styles. He's brilliant. I think he's brilliant as a musician and a songwriter. So that works very well. Um, and because the band that surprised me actually is The Police. <laughs> I was... Another intersection. Uh, 2007-ish, they reunited and did a world tour. Big news. They hadn't toured together in you know, what, 15 years or, no, 25 years. And they never really got along to begin with. No, no, not not really. Um, uh, <laughs> I heard a quote recently by Stuart Copeland that said, back when they were together, that he was, that Sting was the biggest jerk in the world, but he knew what people wanted and he could give it to him. Yeah. <laughs> but now he was the nicest guy in the world and didn't have a clue <laughs> what to give people. <laughs> oh, that well, was funny. That is kind of, kind of true. So I was going up to the Dallas area. We were living back here in East Texas, and I was going up to the Dallas area, and my youngest brother, or younger brother, worked for the American Airlines Center. That's the basketball and hockey arena that's already been referenced um, one time. But he worked for the arena, and so he often got tickets to things. That's how I uh, got to go see Rod Stewart. It's how I got to go see the police. And he called me, and I was on my way up there. I think it was around my birthday. He's like, hey, you want to go see the police? And, you know, I, I, I didn't really ever listen to the police. I didn't grow up listening to them. I was a little bit too young for to really be involved with, as the album with the albums coming out. I mean, they didn't really go past synchronicity, did they? I mean, no, that was, that was, about that was it. their last one. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what, 83, 4, 84, maybe? Early 80, 82, yeah. maybe 3. Yeah, right in that range. So, I, I didn't grow up with it. And again, it wasn't something my parents listened to. So, but I thought, you know, hey, Sting's a big name. Everybody knows who Sting is. I, yeah, I'll go. I'll go. We had pretty decent seats. We were on the side of the stage. We were in the second, kind of the second deck, so you could really see pretty well. <clears throat> and those three guys walked out onto the stage. And the guitar riff for Message in a Bottle starts. And then Sting kicks in with the bass, and Stuart Copeland kicks in with the drums, and they're off. And I sat there and listened to song after song that I knew that I didn't even really conscientiously think about knowing. 
Because they were in the surroundings, shall we say, when you were growing up. More than I ever knew. Yeah. So as they're popping through things, and I'm hearing messaging a bomb, I mean, I knew every breath you take because, you know, everybody knows. Hit. Yeah. And I, but as they're popping through the do 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 to da 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 and and message in a bottle a and particular low point. I mean, do 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 da da da. But you just go through all of these songs and and I was I knew like seventy five percent of what they played, but it was so good. And Sting was just as pompous and arrogant as he could be out there. And I watched that guy as he played runs on the bass with his thumb and chords and things with his other fingers all while singing and I thought you know what you just go ahead and be pompous and arrogant because I've never seen anybody do what you're doing on He's that stage otherworldly yeah. as a bass just, player yeah and Andy's playing great guitar it's a true trio they're not playing to a backing track no, it's no. a trio no. and a trio is the hardest thing in the world to make a full and complete sound especially in an arena and Stuart Copeland phenomenal on percussion one of the greats <sighs> They played wrapped around your finger, and it was, I was mesmerized. He played, he had a gong and all these cymbals, yeah. and just, you've seen, if you've seen his setup, he just got drums everywhere. I was not prepared for what ended up being one of the best concerts I ever went to. That would be so cool to see. I mean, I've seen videos of them playing mm-hmm. concerts. I mean, when you think, when I think about trios, you know, I think of Cream. I mm-hmm. think of Jimi Hendrix and Co. ZZ Top. ZZ Top. But you know what? I don't know if you count it, but the Who is really a trio, but even though they got a vocalist. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, in but the they've Led only Zeppelin's got three instrumentalists. Yeah, yeah, or Led Zeppelin. But I mean, yeah. I guess we could reclassify it as three guys who go on stage and play as three guys mm-hmm. and sing. I mean, Police is right up there. Well, you, you get the so good. you get the 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 added difficulty of the bass player being the singer. The singer. It's so hard to sing and, and play bass. Experience. Oh, it is so hard to sing and play bass. That's why there are so few singing bass players. But Paul McCartney being another. You mentioned Cream and the Police. Yes. There's there's your 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 two examples of singing bass players in a trio. So, but yeah, so they literally surprised me when I saw them live and thought this is a fantastic band. And I've still never gone really far past, like into into full albums and everything. But they have so many great hits yeah. that I'll put on a, I'll put on that on and listen to it. I like some of the the Sting stuff that's been on the radio. I've listened to Ten Sonner's Tales, so that that's all. But but they really they really surprised me in a very literal way. I was shocked how great that concert was. And I'm going to hit you with another honorable mention here. <laughs> <laughs> Because I want to mention this band, and it surprised me, but in a completely different way. And it's a band that anybody who may venture across this and listen to it, unlikely to have heard of. Is but it going to be the Cordovas? It's not going to be the Cordovas, but that that would be a good one, because they definitely surprised us when they opened for Jackie Green the last yes. time we saw them. Um, that would be a great one. Um, but it's actually Monkey House. Oh, because yes. Yes, I yes. am a member of a Steely Dan group on Facebook, and someone suggested, "Hey, you know, Steely Dan people, if you like Steely Dan, you should listen to this album Friday by Monkey House." And I mean, that's Steely Dan's kind of niche. I mean, they're not it's like not kind of niche. <laughs> Steely Dan is niche. <laughs> you you just don't often say, "Oh, they sound like Steely Dan." No, you don't. 
Um, Unless somebody who put that on, put that Orland song on LimeWire. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I go over to listen, and they are not copycat. Okay, Don Brightup is the guy who... Uh, Monkey House is his project, okay? He's a songwriter, a keyboardist. He does the vocals. But I get a Steely Dan-type vibe, but it's not pastiche. It's not copycat. It's not, oh, we're we're going to do, we're going to be like Steely Dan. Okay, there's way more to it than that. But it has a very similar soul while having more pop accessibility and... While still a fine lyricist, doesn't get over into the quite as weird. I mean, he gets some great stuff lyrically. Don't get me wrong, but slightly more traditional than the subject matter. They and they have become one of my favorite bands. I mean, I absolutely love Monkey House, but they surprised me because of how I learned about them, and I had no expectation going for this relatively unknown group. I should also mention something that I, I, I meant to mention earlier. The Police and Steely Dan, who have been up a lot in this conversation, are both excellent examples of one of my my favorite things about music. And it is a quote, and that quote is, I love beautiful melodies telling me terrible things. Oh, that's a good quote. That's Steely Dan. That is Steely Dan. It's also The Police. Well... Every you know, breath you take. Every breath you take. Murder by numbers. Murder by numbers. Don't stand so close to me. Yes. I mean, all you got to do is pay somewhat close attention to the lyrics, and you can figure out what most of those things are about. But I'll bet you there are still <clears throat> many, many, many people who go around saying Roxanne and don't have any idea what it's about. Of course. Much less, don't stand so close to me, much less even every breath you take. Oh, it's a beautiful song. You know, I love this disparity between lyrical content and music and how you know, nobody's better at that than Steely Dan who couldn't couldn't write a love song if their life depended on it I, I don't think <laughs> because they just don't write about normal stuff they write about crazy insane stuff mm-hmm. and often very lurid and disgusting type stuff but it's always packaged in this wonderful music I love beautiful melodies telling me terrible things. I think I remember we discussed Monkey House recent well, a couple months ago we were discussing it and I I thought that Monkey House was like Steely Dan but in a major key. <laughs> I and love that's that. Sort I love of that. A, a good way to put it. Um, we just Josh sent me um, their album called Friday, which is their most recent and I've since listened to an, um, one of their two other albums that are more recent besides that one, and they're very good. And that's a great mention. The list that I'm going off of, because we already had a discussion about Bands of Our Lives, that actually predates Monkey House and predates another artist that Josh discovered and sent to me, which was a guy named Matt Duncan, which I'm sure we'll discuss at some point. But... Um, yeah, that's a great choice. Very good music to listen to. Definitely Songs of the Pandy. The Songs of the Pandy, there's no question. I like beautiful melodies telling me terrible things. Of course, it was Tom Waits who said that, oh, okay. which that would work. Um, so no surprise there. But that is the band that surprised us. Okay, what's your guilty pleasure, Jacob? Well, 
hearkening back to my childhood, listening to her on the radio in my parents' car. Uh, my mom had cassettes and CDs um, all over country radio, made some crossover to pop radio. I'm going to say Shania Twain. <laughs> and I know that's going to surprise you. Not that when, much. When I made, when me and my wife both made this, this list, I thought, well, you know, Shania Twain, I, I just, I don't know. You grew up, you grew up with it. It gets in your head. When um, Come On Over is the album that really launched her as a superstar. Was that and Come On Over? It was either Come On Come On Over or the other one. Anyway, one of those albums totally launched her, and it seemed like that one album had half of it were hits. In oh, the top it was. 20. Was it Come On Over? Um, no, I mean it. It was that whatever album we're talking about had a ton of hits on there. Yeah, I don't. I thought it was the one before Come On Over. Once you say the name, I'll remember it. The Woman and Me. The Woman and Me. Yeah, because name, that name. was when she married Mutt Lang and, you know, who produced Def Leppard and ACDC and all this. She marries him. So and, give us some of the songs off of that album. And so, um, yeah, yeah. So the that that album, and we used to play that. We, we listen to this all the time. I'm not going to lie. I listened to this album like crazy when it came out. 1995, that was the year we got married. So... The year that we were born. Yeah, the year you and, and your wife were born. So, But that's the year that we listen to it all the time because it was great. Home ain't where his heart is anymore. Any man of mine. Whose bed have your boots been under? If you're not in it for love, I'm out of here. The woman in me needs a man in you. Is there life after love? If it don't take two, you win my love. Oh, you win Rain my on love. our love. Leaving is the only way out. No one needs to know. Great. All, you're talking God about God bless it. the child. It's hit after hit after hit after hit. All over the radio. <clears throat> and so, and the album following that, I'm pretty sure it's Come On Over. That was Come On Over. Super, Bunch on that as well. Super stardom. Okay. So, you, you, they were in the grocery stores, in the wedding rooms, on the radio. Mm-hmm. Anywhere you go, you hear music, you don't realize you're hearing it, but yeah. it gets with you, mm-hmm. and you look back on it with nostalgia. Shania Twain, I think about childhood, and my wife agrees. Uh, my mom just played the heck out of. She had both of those albums on cassette in her car, and she we just wore out that cassette. I it's mean, funny because she's generally credited with or blamed for country crossover. True. You know, she was making pop music with a with a country bend to it. I would say. Um, I don't think she was the first because Winona was doing it five years before her. Yeah. All right. Um, it that was before it turned into the the horrible nonsense that it is now. The confluence of pop and country together that people like Winona and Shania did, I had no problem with. I enjoyed it. Well, when you look at what they did when Taylor Swift was just crossing over. Um, and the same thing they did with a couple of Shania songs, like That Don't Impress Me Much or I'm Gonna Get You Good. Basically, they would just take the country song, the original cut, and they would take the steel guitar out, and they would take the twanging guitar out, and they would just replace it with raw guitar or synthesizers. I mean, that's how Yeah. they just change it over, and it's a hit. I mean, it could be a hit no matter what chart it was on, but that comes down to Shania's... Mm-hmm. Man, you know, I feel like a woman. Yeah. That Don't was a be big stupid. One. Don't be stupid. Um, come on over. You're still the one. Yeah. Not 
Still not the Orleans. <laughs> so Still <I'm> like, <laughs> we need to do a mashup of Orleans and Shania Twain. <laughs> Still the one. That's, that's the next episode. Songs this- with similar titles, but totally different songs. Oh. Uh, we, we should re, we should actually call this podcast on a tangent because that's what we're doing. But that's yes. how we roll. Very good. So my current guilty pleasure, um, I I hate hair bands. That's one of the genres that I just don't like. I don't care for Guns N' Roses. I don't care for Rat and all this <laughs> docking and you know just all this all those weird all names. that stuff. I just don't care for. But I kind of like Def Leppard, and there's a lot of songs that I enjoy quite a bit. So my guilty pleasure is going to be Def Leppard. You've right knocked now. me onto one foot with that uh, with that revelation. Kind of like it. That's my wife's fault, but you know, she loves them. She'll listen to all of them. She loves Poison and all that, but Def Leppard is her favorite. You know, Motley Crue, all this stuff, but. Def Leppard's your favorite, and I've heard enough of it to kind of... I mean, I'm not going to go crazy with stuff that she does. I am not going to start listening to Coldplay. It ain't happening, okay? <laughs> but occasionally I will listen to Def Leppard, so guilty pleasure. All right. Two more categories left. Uh, band you should have seen live by now. We've done a lot of talking about bands that we have seen. Who have you not seen that you really should have by now? Well, thanks to the advent of buying tickets online and pre-ordering and people queuing up virtually to buy tickets, I may never get to see George Strait, but I would love to. I mean, when it, of course, now he's retired. He's still recording music, but he's doing one-off shows instead yeah. of doing the huge tours he used to do. Yeah. But whenever he does announce a show, you can't get tickets. You yeah. get them on resale. They're way too expensive. You pay $500 to sit in the back. But I, I've already said I love, love, love George Strait so much. It goes back to my childhood. My mom, huge, huge fan. And saw him at the Oil Palace, I think, oh. if I remember correctly. <laughs> I mean, back in the day. Just like she saw Rod Brooks back in the day as well before you he got big. the Oil Palace in Tyler, Texas. I'm pretty sure. Hey, so I saw Winona there. And, and I saw Mark Chestnut there. I saw Joe Walsh there. And I saw Glenn Fry there. You so, did. You know. So... And I, I saw Pat Green there. That was my first one. There concert. you go. But anyway, George Strait. Just, I've said it. I've already mentioned George Strait, but deep love in my heart for his music. Uh, uh, that's something we need to make happen. I've never seen George Strait. And though he's not going to be my answer, let, don't make the Tom Petty mistake. You know, don't yeah, have the yeah, regret yeah. that I've got. Yeah. When the opportunity after the pandy presents itself and we... And, and, and there's an opportunity, we just need to go see him. When you come to a fork in the road, just take it. Yes, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Yogi said that about the pandy. So, I'm sure he um, said about that. Band I should have seen live by now. This was actually really hard for me because just pinpointing just one is, is very difficult. But I think I went ahead and just settled on, I mean, I am from Texas. Never seen that little band from Texas, ZZ Top. And I would love to rem- remedy that as well. That that is, you know, again, top top albums of all time. Derweo by ZZ Top is one of my favorite albums. It is a fantastic blues rock album that I love. So back pre Pandy, uh, 
this summer, Def Leppard and uh, Poison and I think Motley Crue and Joan Jett were all going to have a stadium tour together. <laughs> and my wife was like, you're taking me. You're always going to concerts. So I promised her I would. So the pandy came in and, and wiped that out. So not all bad deaths. The death of that show, very positive. Happy for that one. But back as that was prior to that getting canceled, another tour was announced. Def Leppard and ZZ Top were going to tour together. What? And they were going to come to Shreveport. That's weird. And That's I just told my wife, I was like, how about we go to this one? Because, you know, I would like that one. And it ended up, they both got canceled because it was supposed to be September. But Def Leppard and then ZZ Top in Shreveport. I was like, this is an outstanding solution. Um, that is a weird, that's strange. <laughs> it is strange. But, but dude, that would have been pretty cool. So that's a band I should have seen live now. And finishing up. A great band to see live. Who's your favorite live performer Well, that you've seen? That I've seen in person. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of good ones and haven't been to all that many concerts comparatively. Now, I've, you know, only been attending concerts for 18 years, but I'm only 25. Haven't seen too many. I will have to say that a particularly memorable concert, which I know you'll agree, is we saw the Cordovas open for Jackie Green. This is a band that I would say almost no one knows. The, the, it's basically a project from a guy named Joe Firstman, who in the early to mid-2000s, he came out of nowhere to be the sideman and the band leader back when um, Carson Daly had a more conventional, real late-night type of oh, show yeah. with a band and all that, you know. And he would, that was Joe Firstman. He came out of nowhere. He, I think he's from Nashville originally. I think that's right. But he was a piano player. Well, now he fronts this band and plays bass. And the lineup changes a lot. It's changed since we saw them. But they came on stage, and from the first downbeat, they played, I think, two or three songs. They just went right into each other. Mm-hmm. They played for oh, more than ten minutes without stopping. Yeah. It was just wall-to-wall. And um, Great they, they play their own stuff. They do the, the three and maybe four-part harmonies. Yeah, yeah. They also memorably covered Truckin', which they did very well. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. They're they're very good, but they they, they always stand out to me um, as they put on a great show. I mean, when you're an opener, you're having to um, get people's attention, right? You only have so long. You got to go out there and and leave it all out on the floor when you're done. And they really did. And it was nice to be able to go and say hello to them. And they they signed a poster of mine. Or yeah, they signed a poster of mine. So, very good show. Very, we'll always remember that. That that's a that is a very specific time of that show that mm-hmm. time. Well, that's how I interpreted yeah. the question. Yeah. I guess. That's, that's that's a perfectly fine way to do it. Uh, I I loved I loved that too. That's one of the most impressed I've ever been by an, an opener. opener. And, and eventually, that album that their eponymous album. Um, that I, I eventually acquired and ordered from overseas on vinyl so I could have it because I love that record. It's just called the Cordovas. Check it out. You know, it, it, to me, they sound like a, a combination of the band and Crosby, Stills, and Nash because they've got the laid back kind of yeah. country rock feel, mm-hmm. but they have these great, great vocal harmonies. So I, I really enjoy that record in particular. 
Um, for my great band to see live, um, I just decided in looking at my, my concert list, and granted, I've been going to concerts longer than you have. Um, I went to a few through the 80s. Again, I saw the first thing, I, the first concert I know I went to, uh, 82 or 3, Stars for Children, saw the, the Oak Ridge Boys and Loretta Lynn. Oh, cool. And um, uh, there's a, a few others that were there. Maybe Alabama. Oh, yeah, I remember seeing Alabama. Oh, that's cool. Um, I saw Larry Gatlin, the Gatlin Brothers. Uh, just a lot of things through there. Um, but the first the first real rock and roll concert I went to was Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers at, at Starplex in, in uh, November or December 91. And since then, I've been to 70 or 80 concerts. And in looking at my list, which I keep up with on setlist.fm, if you are interested in that sort of thing, get you a setlist.fm account and keep up with the shows you go to. If you I like live music, that from the beginning. that's a that's a great thing. Fortunately, I had I had been one that liked to write down the songs that they played. You know that even back pre-internet, I liked to try to do that so I could remember and have a record of of what they played. But um, of the I guess eighty or ninety concerts I've been to, however many it is, there's one artist I've seen twenty three times, and that's Bob Schneider, and. Because I've kept going back over the course of the last seven or eight years, and I will continue to every possible opportunity I can because he'll do a full band show. He'll do his one-man band thing. Um, love love his catalog. Um, just his official catalog. I'm definitely an 80%er uh, for, for Bob Schneider. But we'll talk about Bob, I'm sure, at some a point. huge name that didn't get any mention on this episode. I, a huge I, name for us. Yes, yes. He's very, very prominent. And it, it, it isn't just a way to pigeonhole him in here. He is a blast to see live, whether it's a small... I mean, I've seen him with, you know, 20 or 30 other people at the Blue Door where he's in, in Oklahoma City where he's willing to just kind of, hey, what do you want me to play kind of thing, you know, um, to packed house at the Granada in Dallas or his Valentine's Day show at the Austin City Limits uh, Moody Theater with the the four piece orchestra and everybody's wearing the tuck, one of the greatest shows I've ever been to. Just very formal in there, you know. That place was packed because he's from Austin, but wonderful, wonderful to see live, and another of a favorite artist. That it's a good way to get him in there so that we can mention how much we like Bob Schneider. Yes. All right. Well, that is the end of bands of our lives, and you, if you're still there. I, I hope it's not because you're paralyzed and can't move or because someone is blasting this out like torture outside of Guantanamo trying to get you to talk. I hope do you're they there. Do they Guantanamo anymore? I don't know, but if they do, they could play this. There you go. <laughs> but thank you for, for joining. Uh, Jacob, I had a great time doing this. This yes, was a lot of fun. I, I know that we will enjoy this, and I know this is not the last time we record. I hope we do it. Fairly regular, regularly, and just to give um, our listener an idea of what they can expect, um, we would like to maybe do episodes about, um, you know, a particular artist and talk about um, certain songs or albums and play some tracks. We would like to maybe interview some people if we could, um, maybe bring in other of our friends to, to talk as well. 
we might like to even, um, a particular idea of mine was we would each select an album that the other person hasn't heard and maybe go through the album a couple songs at a time and discuss and get first impressions and, you know, kind of a two-sided commentary on a song. I've never heard it before. I've heard it a lot, that kind of thing. All great ideas. We just like to talk about music, and that's what we'll do. Uh, it's wide open from here. Before we sign off, Jacob, tell everyone where you can be reached if they want to contact you, and we would love to have feedback. I can be reached on Twitter at FifthJMK. That is like F-I-F-T-H-J-M-K. You can also find me there um, by that name on Facebook as well. I can be reached uh, online at joshuavbest.com or by email at joshua at joshuavbest.com. That's Joshua V as in Vincent best.com uh, on twitter it's squonk 15 s-q-o-n-k 15 uh, facebook or instagram any of those any feedback you have we'd love to hear from you um, even if it's hey stop talking but we'll be back again with another episode hopefully very soon until then i am josh i am jacob and this has been somebody, somebody else's, else's favorite, favorite song Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts can be found. We are there, and we hope you'll join us.